Exodus 28. And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, and an ephod, and a robe, and a broidered coat, a mitre, and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Well, friends, we're looking this evening at the garments uh, of our great uh, high priest, the garments of our Saviour uh, Christ. Last week we looked at uh, the tabernacle and we had a quick uh, walk through the tabernacle and looked at some of the significant uh, things that were uh, Moses was instructed uh, to make and we said then that it was God approaching to the people, God choosing to dwell uh, with his people, coming to dwell with his people. He, He's not dwelling with any other nation at that time. He's only dwelling, uh, chose to dwell with his people. Well, today uh, we are looking at the institution here of uh, the priesthood. And especially we're looking, going to be looking at the holy garments uh, that uh, Moses was instructed uh, to make again in the mount. The holy garments for the high priest. The, the Aaron was going to be the high priest, he was chosen of God, and his sons would be, as it were, the common priests. And there was a different set of clothing for the common priests. In fact, it's quite simple in comparison, more or less just white linen and a few other things in comparison to the garments that were specified for the high priest. And there's a, a reason for that, there's a significance uh, to that which we will come on, on to uh, in a minute. But this whole idea of a professional priesthood, is somewhat new uh, to Israel. It isn't new in the world. Uh, Egypt had a professional priesthood. They had a set of priests doing service to their gods. But this is something, and probably other nations had it, but this is something that is new for Israel. It's not that they were without priests before this time. They had priests, but it was more on an individual basis. The, family, the heads of families would normally carry out the worship. You remember how there was uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They built altars and they sacrificed on those altars. So they were priests uh, 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 along, uh, in an, on this individual basis. But this is the first time they have a professional priesthood uh, brought into place by God. Of course, you could think of other priests as well. Jethro was the priest of Midian. And then, of course, Melchizedek, can't forget him, the king, uh, a king and a priest. Uh, and uh, read of him in Genesis. But uh, this chapter is going to focus uh, on the garments of the high priest. But firstly, uh, here in verse 1, uh, Moses is told to take unto thee Aaron, thy brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me. And then his sons are listed after him. It was God's choice. It wasn't Aaron who chose 
this office for himself. It wasn't Aaron who said, oh, that sounds like a good role for me, a nice cushy role for me, you know, have everything provided for me. He didn't think like that, a nice career choice for me. It's not that he put himself forward uh, for this role. It was God, uh, very specifically, it said here, uh, Aaron is to be the one uh, who is to be the high priest. And uh, this is uh, this is God's choice. And uh, we remember also in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 4, this, when Paul is talking about these very things, he said, No man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. In fact, friends, if you go on in that chapter and you read it, you'll see that even Christ was appointed as a priest. Christ was, uh, didn't take on the role of being a mediator for us of his own back. He didn't just come of his own will into this world. He was sent by the Father. And you read uh, there in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, even that God saying, Thou art to, to the Son, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Well, we don't have time to go into the, these things, uh, but uh, Christ, our great high priest, also, he wasn't self-appointed. He was chosen of God to carry out uh, the work of uh, redemption. So there's this priesthood here uh, being initiated by God, and this kind of uh, mediatorial priesthood where the, the priests are going to represent the people is going to continue all the way until the time of Christ. And in the time, until the time of the establishment of the New Testament church. And then from that time onwards, things change. And that mediatorial priesthood, somebody else representing uh, the people to God, uh, is going to be removed because then we, it, it, the church becomes a kingdom of priests unto God. All, every true believer becomes a priest and is able to offer spiritual sacrifices. Uh, to God. So we don't no, no longer need, uh, the only priest that we need is Christ. The only priest now between us and God is Christ, which does away, doesn't it, with the Roman Catholic system, where they still have the priests, and they still say you have to go to the priest in order to get to God, and so uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's negated uh, by the New Testament uh, teaching. But here in verse 1, we're also told given a hint, this is what Aaron's responsibility is going to be. He's going to minister unto me in the priest's office. We come to verse 2. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and uh, for beauty. So this garment is going to be special. This garment is going to stand out from any other garment. There's nothing like it uh, really. Uh, before. It's an, a, a special garment only for the high priest. And it's going to make him stand out. Whenever he's uh, adorned with this garment, he's going to stand out from everybody else. And he needs to be, because Aaron is just a man. This garment is going to be a representative, it's a type, rather, of Christ. There are the different parts of it, and we can only look at it briefly, but the different parts of it are representative of the the perfect Son of God in some way, and, and his, of His person and of His work. And we have that uh, uh, here, actually, it's going to be holy, it's going to be 
uh, glorious and it's going to be a garment uh, for uh, beauty. And this garment was meant to teach the people the truth, uh, some, the truths about the Messiah who was to come. Some of the great truths are, are conveyed even to them about that person. So they're not left in the dark. What kind of a person will the Messiah be? They are shown through this garment. They're given some idea exactly what uh, he is going to be like. The one who would come and make an atonement for sin is going to be holy. He's going to be glorious in himself and he's going to be desirable. Not outwardly, as we said before last week, not outwardly desirable, but those inner virtues, that inner character that is to be found in him and to be seen in him will make him very uh, desirable. And he's going to be a person who possesses such a character that excels any other character, that excels any other human being that is found in this world. Incomparable virtues are to be found uh, in this person. And this very garment is going to speak about the worth of his person, how wonderful and glorious and exalted a being uh, he is. So uh, Aaron uh, is going to be the first high priest, and he had to wear it because Aaron, of course, himself is like you and I, isn't it? Aaron is a sinner. He cannot represent the Messiah to come. How, he, he, he has faults, he has weaknesses, he has infirmities, just like you and I do. And if the people just saw Aaron clothed just in uh, a, priest, a white garment, they would think, well, he's just like us. There's not much difference. But to see him clad in the priestly garments that we're going to look at, these uh, high priestly garments, well, they would see uh, that the Messiah to come is going to be uh, vastly uh, different. So Aaron needs and must, rather, wear these holy garments whenever he's engaged in the uh, service of the tabernacle. In verse 3, we are told uh, that uh, thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, all the skilled craftsmen, and uh, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Uh, people, no doubt, prepared by the Lord even for this work. And then verse 4, here are the list of garments, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a broidered coat, a mitre, and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. The material again, verse 5, coming, gold, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, was to be taken uh, from uh, the people. So let's uh, look uh, just briefly at these uh, garments and how they uh, speak to us of Christ and his work. Firstly, in verse 6, they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, of purple, and of scarlet, and fine twine linen with cutting, cunning work. So this uh, ephod was a, a garment uh, consisting of uh, two uh, shoulder pieces. Uh, they were fastened together at the shoulder. They, they covered uh, the front and the back uh, of the uh, high priest. A sleeveless uh, garment uh, reached down. Uh, maybe just above uh, the knee, and uh, it was made of this material, uh, material as, uh, similar to uh, the veil and the curtain of the tabernacle, made and embroidered with blue and purple and scarlet. 
but instead of having the cherubims embroidered into it like those other pieces of furniture, here we see woven into it was actually threads of beaten gold. And uh, also a touch, also another item was this curious uh, girdle in verse 8. The curious girdle of the ephod which is upon it was made of the same uh, material. Again, red, uh, sorry, blue, purple, scarlet, and threads of gold. And it was a band that was around uh, the waist uh, of the high priest, and it helped to hold the ephod uh, to the body. So magnificent piece of clothing, really, when you think of it. Pure gold threaded in these uh, marvelous colors. And the colors uh, as also tell us something about the person of Christ. Uh, the gold, well, that shows to us something of the, the holiness of, of Christ, the Messiah, and of his majesty. The blue, well, blue we often think of, uh, of the skies, of the blue skies of heaven. And it shows to us the origin of this Messiah. He will come from heaven. And uh, uh, the purple, well, purple is the color of royalty, the color of kings, as we know. And uh, this Messiah, well, he's not going to be any ordinary king. He's not just going to be another king. He is to be the king of kings. He is to be the prince of the kings of the earth. And Scarlet, of course, uh, speaks of his suffering and the sacrificial lamb that he was to be, his blood that was to be shed uh, on Calvary's cross. So this is what the colors uh, represent and uh, would, would, uh, would, would speak to the people or give the people some uh, idea of him who is to come. I'm sure, friends, when uh, the, the, the priest was wearing this garment and the people saw it, or even the children saw it, they must have asked, what do all these things mean? Why, why did God say all these things had to be done in this way? Why is he wearing that colorful garment? Why? And then Moses, I'm sure, would have had some idea uh, to explain to them about these things that we're talking today. Of course, we have it in a much clearer light uh, than they do. But then the girdle there speaks of the readiness to serve. You remember once again John 13, when Christ uh, on that uh, in the upper room, and uh, he after he known that all things have been committed into his hand. He, uh, he took off his outer clothing and he got a towel and he girded himself, uh, girded himself with a towel and he bent down and he washed the feet of his disciples. He was serving his disciples. But it also speaks about the Messiah when he comes is ready. This girdle speaks of his readiness to serve, to do God's will. Whatever God asked of him, he was ready uh, to do it. It meant him going all the way to Gethsemane, and he was ready to do it. Father, I'm willing. Uh, I'd rather this cup was taken away from me, yet if it is your will, I'm ready to go through it. I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to do whatever you want. He was ready to serve at all points, the suffering uh, servant. So that idea is also in the girdle. And then in verse 9, we read that on the shoulders of, on either shoulder of these girdles were these uh, onyx stones. Verse 9, thou shalt take two onyx stones 
and grave on them the names of the children of Israel. Verse 10, six of their names on one stone, and the other six names on the rest of the other stone according to their birth. With the work of an engraver in stone, uh, they were to be engraven in these ouches of gold, or these settings of gold. And verse 12, thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. So on either shoulder, these settings, in settings, gold settings, uh, are these onyx stones, and upon each, uh, each one are the six names of the uh, six tribes of Israel. So this high priest, he's, whenever he's going about his service in the tabernacle, he's representing all the people. He's not just doing it for himself, he's representing all God's people. So also Christ represents uh, all his people uh, before the Father. And in all the work that he did, in the work of redemption that he went about doing, he was doing it as a representative uh, of his people. He wasn't doing it for himself. When he went about uh, earning that righteousness, as it were, our names were upon his shoulders. He was earning a righteousness for us who believe in him and trust in him. When he went to Calvary and he had to go through that work of earning our redemption and earning the forgiveness of our sins. He wasn't doing that for himself. He was representing us. He was doing it uh, for us. He had us, you, in his heart, in his mind, when he was doing that work. And the shoulders, isn't, it speaks of strength. It speaks of strength and uh, putting your shoulders, as it were, to the work. And that's what Christ was doing putting his shoulders uh, to the work and by his strength uh, saving his people and by his strength bearing us up. And that's what he does. He bears us up uh, in life uh, all the way uh, to glory uh, and we are preserved by uh, his keeping. But then uh, we move on to verse 15. And the breastplate, thou shalt make the breastplate of a judgment with cunning work, and again of uh, blue and purple and scarlet. This is the breastplate was not metallic, but it was actually a piece of cloth. Uh, I don't think of a Roman breastplate or like uh, they'd wear in the in the in the wars. This was a piece of cloth, and it was doubled over, uh, embroidered in the same way as I said as the ephod, and it was set upon the chest, and especially uh, over the heart. And it was tied by uh, rings and threads of gold uh, to the ephod. And then in verse 17, we read that thou shalt set in its settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, a carbuncle, and uh, so on. So 12 precious stones were placed upon uh, this uh, breastplate, and uh, four rows of three, each row having. Uh, three st precious stones in it. And verse 21 tells us the names again of the children of Israel, the twelve, according to the names, were engraven like, a, uh, like, like, the, sorry, like the engravings of a signer. Every one with his name, sh they shall be according to the twelve tribes. 
So these again, Israel then is not only represented on the shoulders of the high priest, but also here in this breastplate, breastplate on the heart of the high priest. Verse 28, they were to bind the breastplate by the rings, uh, unto the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, and then at the end of the verse, that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. And verse 29, and Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth in before, uh, sorry, when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And that's a great encouragement uh, for us as God's people. Friends, we are not only on the Lord's uh, shoulders, but uh, we are in his heart as well. Christ cares for us. Christ has a great affection uh, for his people. He knows all his people. All his people are in his heart. All of them are on his mind. He feels for each one of his people. He sympathizes uh, with us. He has a great affection near to us, uh, near to his heart. We are also, you could say, his jewels. There's even something, uh, 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 in a measure we could say, that we are a part of his adornment. We are a part of his glory. That we are so attached to the Savior, so close to him, so a part of this clothing. And we could show you from other scriptures that even believers are a part of that glory that belongs uh, to the Savior. In Malachi 3, and verse 17, uh, we read, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. So here is this breastplate with all these jewels and all the names of uh, the 12 tribes of Israel representing uh, God's uh, people. And Christ says, uh, Christ has us on his heart. Well, within uh, that uh, breastplate, uh, there were also... Uh, there was a pocket, and uh, within the, this pocket was placed the Urim and the Thummim. Uh, verse uh, 30, we read this. Thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. Now, what is this Urim and Thummim? To be frank, I don't know. <laughs> and if you know, please tell me. But uh, many people have, have made a guess Many people have come up with a, uh, a suggestion as to what it is and uh, what it signifies. Uh, some people have said, well, you know, it was used to discern the Lord's will. When people didn't, weren't sure what to do, well, they would go and, uh, to the high priest and ask for the Lord's will. And they would call for the Urim and the Thummim. And uh, from there, they would be able to decipher, uh, the, be shown the Lord's will. Some said that these jewels were jewels and that they, they flashed like on and off, or yes or no, uh, we don't know. Uh, some people say that there are dice which you were thrown, and then the answer was gained in that way. And there are so many other theories and ideas and imaginative ones uh, which come out. That words, they actually mean light and perfection. And uh, perhaps we get an idea of, uh, of, of what its, its, its meaning is from, from that light and perfection, light especially all light is to be found in Christ. Light stands for knowledge. Where does all knowledge come from? All illumination come from? 
This room would be dark without the light. You turn the light off, we, we can't see anything. But Christ is the light. He illumines us. We need, we need to know the way to God. Christ is the one who will give us the light. We need to know how to run the church, the doctrine of the church. Well, that light is found in Christ. Of course, now we, we have the word. We don't need to go uh, to do uh, like, like they did here with the Urim and the Thummim. We have the word of God. But all, this, all of these things, even the knowledge we have from the word, is derived uh, from the Savior. How am I to live my life as a believer? That light is found in the word and comes from Christ. And he communicates these things to us. So all that we need for life and for godliness, the light to live uh, and walk before God in a be as best as we could is found in him. And of course, if we don't know, if we're in certain situations where we want to know what is the will of God for my life, where should I go? Should I go to earthly counselors? Should I go to an, uh, 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 a friend who is not a believer and ask him what should do? Should I take advice from the world? No, I go to Christ. And I pray and I seek him and ask him to lead me and to guide me uh, in the decisions that I make. And he will uh, counsel me and show me the right way. But then let's move on uh, quickly to the robe of the ephod. And just say a little bit about these. The verse 31. I shall make the robe of the ephod uh, all of blue, a garment of blue. And this was worn uh, under uh, the under the ephod, a separate robe, uh, and if you, again, if you have a chance, uh, search online for these pictures because a picture speaks a thousand words, and uh, you can see the, the blue coming through. It was longer uh, than the ephod, uh, probably went down all the way to the knees, and uh, on the hem of this, uh, this particular robe, again, with this blue, purple, and uh, scarlet pomegranates, and uh, also a golden bell, and they alternated, one pomegranate, one golden bell, one pomegranate, one altar bell, a golden bell all around uh, this uh, blue robe. The pomegranates spoke of fruitfulness and how the, the ministry of Christ would be very fruitful. And the golden bells, well, bells make a sound, isn't it? And uh, you could think of the sound of the gospel that came by Christ. It's a pleasant sound that bells make. It's quite nice to hear bells ringing away. And the sound of the gospel is so pleasant to us that it speaks of grace and mercy and forgiveness and peace with God. These were the sounds that emanated uh, from Christ. And then in verse uh, 35, we read, It shall be upon Aaron uh, this garment to minister, and his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, and when he cometh out, that he die not. Bells, uh, were, so the bells uh, were upon this garment. Now there are uh, some people, and I have to admit, I, I used to think like this as well myself, uh, but uh, there are some people who think that the bells were there to indicate to the people, or, or to give notification to the people on the outside, that something dreadful had happened to the high priest in the most holy place, and that he had passed away, he had died in the holy place. If he was kept, if they kept hearing the bells tingling away, they knew, oh, he's alive and he's he's still moving. 
And uh, I used to think like that as well. But actually, it's not quite, that's not quite the meaning. Before we get to that answer, this, uh, the high priest, do know, do keep in mind, the high priest, whenever he wore these garments, he was always in the holy place, not the most holy place. Yeah? He was only in the outer part of the tabernacle, not the inner sanctuary where the Ark of the Covenant was. In Leviticus 16, we are told that when Aaron, the high priest, went in once a year into that most holy place, he only really wore the white linen garment. He didn't wear these special clothings. So this was for the outer part. But then why the bells? Well, he said the sound, it represents the sound. Uh, but the bells also told the, the priests, that, sorry, told the people outside that the priests were there going about doing their work. That they were, it would give them the indication that they are representing them and active in doing that work. So not because they had passed away or something. Uh, so this verse, then Aaron, uh, also read, we read here at the end, uh, make sure, Aaron had to make sure that he wore these garments, that he die not. The reference to death here is uh, to emphasize to Aaron that he must wear these garments <coughs> when he's performing the Lord's work in the tabernacle. He has no option. A failure to do so will bring judgment upon him uh, in the form of death. And then just two more. We see here in verse 36, the mitre, and it's also very encouraging for us, the mitre, a headdress, uh, a kind of turban of fine, fine white linen. And verse uh, 36, thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, engrave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord, and thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the front of the mitre it shall be. So on the front of this uh, turban-like uh, headdress, uh, this plate, gold plate, holiness uh, to the Lord. What does this signify? Again, verse 38, uh, it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts, and it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. And that's what it's speaking of, acceptance uh, before uh, the Lord. The children of Israel, when they brought their offerings, when they brought their animals to be sacrificed, or the other gifts uh, to offer to the Lord, there might have been some defect in those gifts and those animals. Or the manner in which they brought them, well, there may have been some imperfection in the, the manner in which they brought it. And here, uh, er, the Lord is saying, through the high priest, and by the intercession of the high priest, in spite of their infirmities, they would be accepted, and they would be considered a holy. Uh, and uh, the lesson for us is also very encouraging, because it's, it speaks to us that no, even though our prayers, as we know so often, and our worship are imperfect. And we make many, there may be uh, weaknesses and infirmities in our prayers. Our motives may be wrong, or we may not speak as sincerely as we ought to do. Our obedience may, be, uh, may not be as complete as it ought to be. Our thanksgiving, our worship, when we come to the Lord's house, 
There may be imperfection in, in these things. Our minds may be wandering or something like that. And we may not be fully concentrated, or our attitude may not be quite right. It's half there and half not there. Uh, failures, uh, imperfections, because of our, uh, our, the state that we're in, as, still as, as sinners. And uh, yet, in spite of all these things, God accepts our offering. Why? Because we offer them through our great high priest. We offer them through our Savior, His merits. Uh, his makes our prayers acceptable. His, his intercession uh, pleads uh, for us. And so uh, this is an encouragement, uh, is it not, friends, uh, to us? Well, just the final piece uh, I come to is the, this coat of fine linen. and uh, <clears throat> It's the innermost uh, garment. Verse 39, thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, and thou shalt make the mitre of fine linen, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework. This is the innermost uh, garment, and it goes all the way uh, down to the ankles. White, of course, speaking of the purity of Christ. And then verses 40 to 43 speak of that much simpler attire of the, for the common priest. But friends, what a picture this is. I'll give it to you again just in brief. Uh, but what a picture this is to the children of Israel, uh, that uh, the, the Messiah who was to come, he was going to be a great and a glorious person, a holy person, a person who originated from heaven, a person who would have love in his heart for his people. He wasn't just going about doing the service because he had to do it. He loved his people. He treasures his people. And that's the same lesson for us. We have so much of a better sight. They saw, they saw through a glass darkly. We see so much clear, clearly because we have New Testament light on these things. What a comfort for us to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest. Oh, friends, if we have faith in him, this is what we can say. Is he your high priest? We have encouragement through him. We have assurance that we, our persons and our offerings, are accepted by him. And then we read uh, those words in Hebrews, and I close with this. Christ, our great high priest, has now entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. <laughs>